is the fact that you haven't wound the clock up of this world and left it to our own initiatives and our own um, ingenuity to make this Christian life happen. But that, Lord, you are intimately involved in every one of our lives. I know that in a crowd this size in front of me, Father, there are those who have come here and have felt lonely, broken, and weak, and can hardly even grasp the name Emmanuel because they have felt abandoned and alone. But Father, let your words speak to our hearts now. Speak to each of us in a way that is unique. That, Father, you may um, impress on our hearts your nearness and your presence. Thank you for answering that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. The first chapter, we're just reading two verses there, but keep your finger in. We're going to look at some other passages throughout Scripture, uh, but uh, we're going to start out um, in, that, uh, in that moment uh, in which uh, God had come to a woman, and those words were so appropriate. Um, I think each one of us have probably at times thought to ourselves that uh, certainly you could have picked a wiser person or, uh, or somebody else to do what you've called us to do as we have sometimes resorted to looking at ourselves and um, looking at what we think we're capable of instead of what, uh, what God is capable of in us. And, and so uh, here's Mary, and here she is. Um, been told that she is going to uh, be the mother of the Holy Child Christ, um, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and in that mis uh, mysterious way to, uh, to be impregnated in a way that has never happened before in all of history and never will again, but is, is true. And then the one that she is being betrothed to um, hears the news, sees the news, as she comes back from visiting her, her, um, her cousin Elizabeth, and, uh, and he has a decision to make. What do I do? What do I do? I could strike her. I could have her charged publicly, and she would be killed. Or I could be just kept quiet, and, and I could divorce her quietly. And as he's considering this, because right, Joseph is a righteous and upright man, um, an angel visits him. And in the midst of this, um, he um, says in the 20th verse, uh, or excuse me, uh, before that, um, yeah, in the 20th verse, says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. We talked about that last week, but the 22nd through the 23rd verse is the verse, uh, verses I want to focus on. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Christmas time can be an incredible time of loneliness, an incredible time of frustration, an incredible time in which, um, in which people experience all kinds of anxieties, separation from family, and uh, in struggle. In fact, it is, it is determined that this time in all of the year is the most time where death occurs the most. People um, either become disheartened, take their own life, or uh, they give up on life and, uh, and death comes. And yet in this time, um, and in fact, we are even guaranteed by Christ himself that in this world, we will have trouble. And so even the Savior uh, tells us that it's a guarantee by him. And yet Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. In the midst of all these realities, in the midst of all these truths, for I am not going to stand up in front of you and tell you that what you're experiencing in life is not a truth, is not fake, or just to pull up your bootstraps and get over the difficulties that you're going. I am telling you that these are true, and yet in the midst of it, um, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know for you, but I know that for me, there has been times and times of uh, this whole concept of Emmanuel and God with us. There has been times that's not been real to me. I remember times in my own regret of sin that I've thought thoughts like this, and maybe you've shared them with me. Um, maybe not about Sue, but in your own words, it says, if Sue were present, I wouldn't have thought about doing what I'm thinking about doing right now. Or if Jesus was walking with me, wouldn't I have introduced him to everyone I met? Then why haven't I? Would I be ashamed of him if he were standing next to me? And yet Jesus is called Emmanuel. He is standing not only next to you, but in you. I find it interesting as I think contextually where this promise came from in Isaiah. That it was this prophetic promise of the Messiah was said during a time of huge unbelief. It was King um, Ahaz who was king over Israel, over Jerusalem. And there were two kings that were coming against him at the time. King Rezin of Aram and King Pekah of the northern tribe of Israel were combining force to defeat Ahaz. Ahaz did not go to God, but God came to him and said, this is not going to happen. He stated exactly what would transpire, that these two kings would not defeat him and that their empires would actually come to an end. And then he challenged Ahaz to act in faith by requesting a sign. Ahaz, in probably one of the most strongest statements of unbelief, said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to test. It was this scripture then, then taken that was taking, it was Ahaz taking scripture out of context to use it as belief, meaning using God's own words against him, where God said, do not test the Lord. But in unbelief, Ahaz was doing that, the same as Satan did when he tested Jesus in the wilderness in Luke 4. 
The most amazing reality here to me is that just like in Mary's life, the presence of Emmanuel when we least expect him, Ahaz and Mary were not expecting the revealing of Emmanuel to them. Ahaz in the midst of war and Mary in the midst of being betrothed to Joseph. Yet in the most unexpected moment, Emmanuel comes and is near. How about for you? Has Emmanuel come to you? Is he coming to you right now? Is he revealing his presence to you today? Because he is the God that has been active in his people's lives. He has been the only God. I, I don't know if you realize this, but in the ancient world, the belief of God being among men was not a popular belief. Because it was the belief that the gods came down to play with mankind and to torment them. Not unusual to maybe some of you have felt that way at times, that God has been a condemning voice over your life. That he has been a judgmental God to you. That's the way the ancients believed. But I want you to turn with me. Uh, to uh, the book of Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. Deuteronomy 4. We're going to the 32nd chapter. Deuteronomy 4, starting with the 32nd verse. You with me? All right, let's read it together. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened? Or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard of the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any other God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testing and by signs and by wonders, by war or by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm or by great and awesome deeds like all these things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God from heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you to bring you into their land, to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Unprecedented, God. Do you know Emmanuel? Do you know this God that from the beginning is the only God that has made himself known to us all? Do you know him in your own life? Other verses, just a few. I could have had several hundred verses, but just a few. Joshua 1.9, 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through a valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. With me. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and our strength, our, our an ever-present help in trouble. As the King James says here, a very present help in times of trouble. I found it interesting in my studies that the word very can also be truly in the original language. And it has the force of speedily, exceedingly, much in abundance. The idea that God's presence and help, that Emmanuel is not just hanging around, but is forcibly working in the lives those he has chosen. Just like that in Ahaz's life, God came to him to rescue him. But remember, Ahaz rejected God's invitation. But this is an interesting truth. God still followed through. Even Ahaz's unbelief did not stop him from the destruction of the two kings and doing exactly as he said. The sad part of the story is this. Ahaz didn't have the eyes of faith to see it was Emmanuel. This begins to answer the question. When somebody in this room is saying, Pastor, if what you're saying is true, then why hasn't God come and speedily, forcefully, and abundantly come to my rescue? The real question is this. Do you have eyes to see his work? Do you have ears to hear his voice? Have you, in response to God's call, placed yourself in a place of faith in the manifest presence of God? See, the biblical truth is this, that God is omnipresent, meaning that his presence is everywhere, not in everything. There's some people that think that God's in a tree. He's not in a tree. He made the tree, but he's not in the tree. There isn't an action in all creation that he is not there to see and experience. But there's another presence of God that is just as real, and that is the manifest presence of God. Or, as an example, it's like a parent who attends every event of their child's life, or a grandparent who goes to their grandchildren's Christmas program because their heart's desire is to be present in their children or grandchildren's lives because they love them. This is the slight picture of the manifest presence of God. God loves us. God desires to be in our lives. God is here. He is Emmanuel. Now I want you to think biblically through this. There is a logic here as you think about Emmanuel. When Jesus came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. That's right, is near. And then when challenged with this understanding in Luke 17 by the Pharisees, 
who challenged him about the kingdom of God, he said this. <clears throat> the, king, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something can, that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in, the, in your midst. Or I think a better translation is, or is within you. Jesus furthered that thought in Matthew 28 when he said uh, to making disciples, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then, of course, Pentecost. In Acts 2, the near became within as the Holy Spirit from without dwelled within believers and began to spread across the world. People, believers, then became the temple of God. And God dwelt within them. Jesus told us when that happened that, that it would become like a spring of living water overflowing in your life. Is that true for you? Is that true for me? Does the presence of Emmanuel so dwell within each one of us that it overflows in everything we do, in all that we are? You know, the Apostle Paul became so fired up about this he said that if, in chapter 8 that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Even though we die in this physical world, we are more alive in Christ as we grow in this world. I just think about the implication of that. Emmanuel, in you, produces life and life eternal. A Reformed theologian by the name of Wayne Grunham said this, Therefore it is important that all our ministry is done in the Holy Spirit. Spirit-led family. That is, that we consistently dwell in the godlike atmosphere created by the Holy Spirit, the atmosphere, listen, of power, righteousness, and peace. Kind of sounds like our season, doesn't it? Isn't that what Christmas is all about? No. I love our decorations. I love trees. I, I love giving presents. But that has nothing to do with Christmas. Christmas is the time where we, as Christians, set time aside to realize that we serve Emmanuel. He is with us. He loves us. And that... He wants us to overflow with that. And that's why I started the service out with Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Emmanuel is with us. Now we think up to this point that everyone in the sound of my voice would concede that Emmanuel, God with us, is true. It would take really a foolish person to somehow look around at the evidence and come to the conclusion that there's no God. So much amazing truths, so much amazing evidence that surrounds us every day, both in creation, in the Word, and also in just all the things that are happening. Can you concede with me that Emmanuel, God with us? You agree with that? Agree with that? Yes. 
But there is an agnostic spirit that even goes around the church that says, yes, I believe in God, but I believe he came, wound up the proverbial clock, and has literally left it up to us now because he's off doing his own thing. And I believe this because I do not personally experience Emmanuel in my life. Is that you? Is that me? No, it's not. Last Sunday, I talked about a partnership that the Apostle Paul called us to walk in faith in Jesus Christ. It's the partnership of working out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm currently memorizing uh, the uh, Beatitudes. I'm starting in, in Matthew 5. And I'm being challenged to memorize more scripture by my accountability partner. And, uh, and so I'm doing that. The whole point of the Beatitudes, the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount, was for us to get to the place where we realize that in of ourselves, we are unable to do anything in Christianity. We are unable to live this Christian life at all, in of ourselves. We're poor in spirit. He said, um, and it, it takes great humility to come to this. I'm not trying to talk about the fact that we are weak or that we are powerless, but that in of ourselves, one of the greatest sins in Scripture is that you depended on your own strength. So the whole point of Christianity is to break, to break our dependency on ourselves and to place our dependency on God. And then even in the Sermon on the Mount, he takes it farther. He said, if you hold anger against a person, you're a murderer. If you hold anger against a person, you're a murderer. If you lust for another one, you've already committed adultery. If you are unable to love your enemies, you are not like God. Does it feel a little bit countercultural? Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does because it is completely. The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is to bring us to a place where we conclude, I cannot do this without Emmanuel. Why else was Jesus born? Why else did he go to the cross? Because the Father realized we are powerless to live this life out for, for him. But that in him, we can do all things. Oswald Chambers said, if Jesus ever commanded us to do something that he was unable to equip us to accomplish, he would be a liar. He'd be a liar. So in, in our world, most people would concede that Jesus existed. The historical Jesus lived and died. There's more, there's more ancient manuscripts about this one human being that lived on this earth than any other human that existed. So most people concede to it. But when they stop at the place where he was either a good prophet or a teacher, that is the problem. If we stop there... Um, he can only frustrate us because his standards of teaching at minimum are just idealistic ideas that aren't relevant to our life or maximum becomes unattainable standards that means 
I must not be a Christian. So our logical thinking can only bring us to despair. But here's where the deeper good news is that I pray that you get today. Emmanuel, God is with us, also means in faith, Emmanuel, God is in us. In us. The whole point of redemption is that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only did Jesus overcome the enemy of death in regards to eternity, but also as Romans 8 says, he overcame our dead and dying bodies by placing within us a new nature. The very same nature that Jesus himself lived with on this earth. Jesus was and is today 100% human, 100% God. That is the nature that is being formed into every human who has received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In 1 John 2, 2, the Bible says, Dear friends, now we as children of God and what we will, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we will know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Someone once said that a true believer in Jesus is the most surprised at the change in their life. That which was thought impossible becomes amazingly possible because we are being conformed to the image of Emmanuel, God in us. God not only with us, but in us. Today, are you living in the same place you were a year ago? Is your life unchanged, unmoved, in despair, worry, and alone? Then Then hear... Emmanuel, hear him say this today to you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have read this passage time and time again. But I've never read the word light as a spelling, not just for heavy, which it is, but also illumination. That his burden is light because he brings illumination to our hearts. And he reveals that Emmanuel is with us and in us. And so, Emmanuel dwells within. When Emmanuel dwells within, we get a sense that we're not alone. I don't know what you're in. I don't know what you're facing. But you're not alone if Emmanuel dwells within your heart. You're not alone. And that's the most important thing. 
Even more important than the success of what's happened in your life is the fact that you're not doing it alone in Emmanuel. There's a story that's unfolding. I'll end with this today. That's unfolding in, in my family. Um, my son-in-law's father and mother are from Fremont. And uh, they happened to be reading a Fremont newsletter one day. And, re- and as they were reading, they heard of a woman <clears throat> that needed uh, a kidney transplant. As soon as my son-in-law's father heard this, he looked at his wife and said, I'd like to be tested. I'm wondering if God's calling me to be tested for a kidney transplant. Now, you have to understand that for a person outside of a family member, it goes less 20% possibility that your kidney could be um, uh, a match. And so he prayed about it. He talked to my son-in-law and his other kids about it and decided that he was going to go get tested. He got tested, and he was a match. He was a match. So on December 4, um, he went in, and uh, they removed his kidney and gave his kidney to this woman. And immediately, the kidney started functioning and working properly. But the story goes deeper than that. Because on that same day, there was a young man in my grandson Boaz's class that during a prayer time at his Christian school raised his hand and said, my great aunt is getting getting a kidney transplant. And my grandson, smart as a whip, comes from my family line, (laughs) perked up, raised his hand and said, my grandfather is giving his kidney today. And found out the same two people. Emmanuel is working among us. He's working every day. Now, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what hopelessness and loneliness you may be facing this Christmas season. But if you haven't got it yet, Emmanuel, God with us, deeper, Emmanuel, God in us. This Christmas. If that's not true for you, it can be. It can be today. Receive him today as Lord and Savior. Repent of those things that you have done that have been against him. And stand back up and walk in faith and follow him. It can be today. That can be your greatest Christmas gift. Emmanuel, not just with us, but in us. And I pray that for each one of you. Stand with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we come in your presence. And as we started this service, we end this service. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God in us. The greatest truth a human being has ever come to know. In a world 
where false gods play with their followers. You have never. You have been a God that has revealed yourself to us, that has raised up a precious, treasured possession of followers in the midst of the human race, and that we get the privilege and honor to know the true God, the God of heaven and earth, the creator, the one who loved us so much he gave his own son, the one who is here now with us and in us. Father, I believe that to someone today, that became a new truth. And I pray that, Father, that you'll work in and amongst us, that, Father, raise up a family that grows in your grace and knowledge. Raise up a family that gets to know you more. May we have it so in our hearts that we truly believe everything else, as Paul said, is but dung, is just a pile of manure to the comparison of knowing Jesus Christ. May that become our passion. May that, may your presence become the most important thing in our life. We love you, and we believe in you. Let these words not just fall off our backs, but may they be a truth that impregnate our hearts as Mary was impregnated with the Son of God. May we become the Bethlehem of today. The Christ child born in us shines a light out to the world. We love you and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.